0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: All right, what's going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to Talking Buffalo Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you, as always, for checking us out on the audio side, Spotify or Apple, or on the video side. Got many of these full episodes up on YouTube, including today, and I am excited about today. I always get excited when somebody new comes to the Buffalo Sports Media, because more times than not, that means it's an opportunity for me to get them on the show and just have a conversation about their life and their career and give you guys listening a chance to know more about them beyond just when you see them on the air or on the radio or reading their work. Really pumped today. Rachel Hotmeyer from Spectrum Sports is with me. Hi, Rachel. How are you? Hey, good. How are you? I'm good. I, I Again, I like these shows. I had Elena Getzenberg on from ESPN a couple of weeks ago. There's not been that many new people here, so I don't get to do these as often As I wish, like I said, I really love giving people an opportunity to know more about you. And this is quite literally our first conversation ever. I mean, we talked for 30 seconds or so before (laughs) we started taping, but how's it going?
2: It's going great. Um, Yep, you are right. I'm here with Spectrum News 1. I'm super excited to get to covering some really dynamic teams. Buffalo is a passionate market. And I feel so lucky that everywhere I go, the common theme is really passionate sports towns.
1: Yeah. If nothing else, it is passionate in Buffalo.
2: (laughs) Some snow along the way, too. Some
1: snow along the way, too. And we'll (laughs) we'll get to some Buffalo stuff. But I want to keep the format kind of uh, the way I usually do, the traditional format when I have someone someone on for the first time. That's to go all the way back. Now, I've done some homework on you, some research, but a lot of stuff I don't know. And I'm kind of eager to find out, along with everybody else. Now, you're from the Boston area, correct?
2: Yep, yep. I was raised in Metro Boston on the marathon line. So Marathon wow. Monday is, you know, the best holiday of the year. Um, it, it's just a huge event in my town. Um, the original start line is in my town as well. So it's, it's a big deal. I know a gajillion people that have run the marathon. It's just a rite of passage at this point. You'll not catch me doing it, but, you know, I'll be there cheering everybody <laughs> talk, on. Talk, um, talk about growing up
1: in Boston. And uh, I've never been to Boston before. I've always wanted to. Now, I'm a New York Yankees fan, so you know, Yankees, Red Sox. I've always hated the Red Sox that were conditioned yep. as Yankee fans to do that. But anyway, just that rivalry is awesome and Boston just looks like so much fun Just talk about boss it really
2: is i'm so thankful for my childhood in new england um, obviously my sports teams gave me the best birthright there kind of is i'm very fortunate and that's really what inspired me to get into this because i've seen such championship caliber play over decades of my life and i've seen so many goats of the game and every facet that it inspired me because i know what fans demand i know what markets like Boston require in terms of their storytelling, fans are hungry. And that's what drove me to wanna get into this industry because being able to cover athletes and stories like that, to me, there's nothing better. It's just absolutely magical. Mm -hmm. So I'm very fortunate, obviously a a lot of parades I got to witness in my life, a lot of amazing games, Um, just just a lot of really incredible stories out of that town. And I love it. And I think New England is an awesome community. I'm so fortunate to be raised there. I wanna raise my kids there one day. Um, it's very special and my parents and sister are still there. So it's awesome.
1: Yeah, that is really cool. And honestly, I mean, speaking from a, an angle of sports jealousy a little bit, of course, you're, you know, you're in towns like Buffalo. In fact, lots of other pro franchise towns. And then you have a city like Boston that has some kind of parade. It seems like for one of the teams, uh, (laughs) you know, pretty much every year became the the standard in Boston, which again, Mm -hmm. it's really cool. Let me ask you this. So before we talk about your career at what when did you know that this was something that you wanted to do? You know, I've had so many people on the show and it, it ranges like Elena a couple of weeks ago. She even said mm-hmm. all the way up until she got into college, she had no right. idea what she wanted to do. She didn't even know that she liked writing. And I've had people right. like Joe Biscaglia, who pretty much knew at six years old, this mm-hmm. is what he wanted to do with his life. When it comes to your career and what you're doing now, at what point of your life were you really young, high school, college? When did you kind of figure out that, hey, this is something I really I- would like to do?
2: I will beat Joe in the sense of, I knew when I got out of the womb, I, this has always been what I felt I was destined to do, what my family knew I was going to do. It was just very clear from day one. I've never in my life been able to picture myself doing anything else.
1: Wow. So you knew right away that I see, I think that's so cool that the range of all you, of all the men and the women in the sports media, just how Again, some people have no idea that they want to do this. Now, you're one of those who who knew right away. Now, let me ask you this, and we'll talk about some of your career stuff shortly, but Mm -hmm. wanting to do something and being good enough to do something aren't always one and the same. You know, those can be separate entities. Uh, When did you realize that you were good enough that this would be something that you could do? Because again, you know, some people grow up dreaming of playing center field for the Boston Red Sox, and they kind of figure out kind of early, that ain't going to happen. Like, when did you know that this is something that you're good enough to want to do?
2: It was a combination of my personality is what it is. I am a people person by definition, if you had to describe me in two words. So storytelling, relationships, that's always been my purpose, my drive, my center. That's always everything I do, Um, whether it's being the chattiest girl in class on every single report card I've ever had in my life to Always being invested in English and drama and storytelling and reporting and even taking book reports to the next level. That was always my thing: with storytelling and orating or as much as possible. So it really started with those sort of fundamentals. And I grew up in a household that really embraced sports. Um, every Sunday, we had NASCAR on one TV and NFL on another. Um, that was just how, how much, it did, was, that which,
1: how much did that matter?
2: How much did that matter? I think it mattered a lot, truthfully, because from a very young age it was me and my sister surrounded by sports and it was us playing sports. We were never compared to brothers or anything because we were the only two kids. And I think being able to share that with my dad and my mom, it it was never a gendered experience for me. Um, encouraged to do any sport I wanted. I played softball and tennis and volleyball. Um, I'm learning golf now. It's just sports has always been kind of a thread of my life in so many ways that having that consistency, paired with as I naturally grew as a person, it, it made it a no-brainer for me, really.
1: Now, before we talk about college, talk about high school for a minute. Like When you went yep. to high school, was there yep. video production things in high school, new school newspapers? Like, Were you involved at, in high school when it came to sports in any way?
2: Um, let's see. So I played, I was on varsity tennis all four years, and I did volleyball for a few years too. I went to Ashland High School. We are the clockers because mm. the first electric clock was made in our town. Oh, really? So it's a- I love a unique mascot when I can. So that's why I support them uh, when I see them, you know, at local high schools, because it just makes it more fun. Sure. Um, I was on yearbook committee, but we didn't have a newspaper and the journalism program went defunct like a decade before I got there. So I actually ended up getting in. I worked Bruins Games at TD Garden as a runner in in production. Yep. And that's how I got my foot in the door. And that was to me, I mean, 2011 was my freshman year. So getting to work that and be around that was a really amazing time to blend my passion for sports, television, and storytelling alongside getting to witness a championship in my backyard. That sort of really solidified everything for me as if it wasn't solidified before, but that just got me so laser focused. So yeah, so I was very fortunate. Wow. Yes. Wow. That's really cool. I was very fortunate. Now you, yeah, went to, I, was, you
1: I, was I, I mean, you cut you off. You, so you go to American <laughs> university for college. Yep. I always like yep. asking everyone from the sports media that I have on the show, because there's usually a variety of different reasons. So I'm going to ask you the same thing. Uh, why did you decide on American university? Were there other schools that you were considering going to other schools that you almost went to uh, other schools that you really wanted to go to, but just for whatever reason, didn't, how did you settle on that?
2: I love the D.C. market. And for me, because I was so career oriented in high school and so focused on that, that was pretty much my focus for college. I had some other college opportunities with scholarships or this or that. Um, But at the end of the day, what was most important to me with the school was the career opportunities we would provide for me. And through my working with NBC, I was able to confirm that I'd be able to carry that out in D.C. So I would get to stay in a really top sports market work and study at the same time obviously there are tons of pro teams in dc i worked capitals and washington football games and i ended up working for the regional sports network there through that so american not only provided a really great journalism program with incredible professors and features and you know tech that i really thought sets people up the right way but it also oh the lights hold on You're good. (laughs) I didn't even know those turn up. I've never been in here long enough. So I just really felt that American provided both the classroom experience that was necessary, as well as the backyard that allowed me to actually take things to the next level. Because for me, high school on, I was solely focused on my career. I was that kid.
1: I was going to ask you that. I was going to ask you, talk about like your college experience a little bit. I I love hearing about people's various colleges experiences. Mm -hmm. And what I'm sensing from you already is like I said, you pretty much (laughs) knew the day you walked in at American university, what you wanted to get out of it and what you wanted to do after it. But just talk for a few minutes about just college life when you were there.
2: Yeah. American university was awesome. I love it all the time. Um, I don't regret it for a second. I can't believe I even considered anywhere else. It was absolutely perfect for me. I would champion American university to anybody. Uh, especially if you're looking to go into international relations or politics, that's obviously the most popular thing there. Uh, I think it's super cool that it's a university that was chartered by an act of Congress in the 1800s. It's just a very cool campus. It's got a beautiful quad, cherry blossoms everywhere, right in the heart of DC. So the opportunities there are great. I was in Greek life, which I love. That was also something I always knew I wanted to do, probably because I was a summer camp kid. I feel like camp kids always end up getting into Greek life. It's the same thing. Right. So I really love that most of my best friends are still in DC that aren't working in sports with me. They're all in political coverage or other aspects of DC life, whether that's working for campaign offices or in the government itself. I have plenty of friends that work on the Hill and cover the Hill. So DC itself was a really awesome place for me to grow personally, you know, from 18 to 21. And I stayed there for a few years after working. Um, it's just, one of the top places I would tell people to go if they've never been. It's such a dynamic part of this country.
1: When you, so you spend your whole life, you grew up in Boston in the area. Yeah. What was it like? Forget about like the professional, you know, the career aspiration part of it, or Mm -hmm. even college, just life, social life, and and just life in general going from Boston, which is something you've known your entire life, to move into Mm -hmm. DC, which like you said, another major city, another major market with sports teams too.
2: I love DC and the transition really wasn't that hard for me, honestly, because- Um, I think I was ready for it. There are so many amazing schools in Boston that I definitely could have gone to to pursue this career. But I knew I wanted to get out as much as I love it and eventually want to return there one day. Ultimately, I knew my next step for me was to grow and fly away elsewhere. So DC to me had everything I wanted it to be. There's so much diversity. There's so much culture. And there's just a lot of opportunities. And there's just so much adventure socially as well, too. There were Things every weekend I'd be doing with my friends, free museums, farmers markets, arts and culture that you can't always get um, as handed to you as you do in D.C. So I loved it. I felt very safe there. Again, it, it's a real cultural capital that I think not a lot of people realize until, you know, someone that lives there and actually lives alongside, you know, residents of D.C.
1: Talk a little bit about you You mentioned NBC Sports, your time mm-hmm. working there and some of the things that you learn that are helping you even today with what you do.
2: Yeah. So I took my experience with NBC Sports from, you know, national productions that like in high school, in the first two years of college, I worked on NHL and NBC. May it rest in peace. Um, I worked on Sunday Night Football. I worked on Stadium Series, all the outdoor games they've produced. Uh, That was a lot of my time there. And then comes junior year, I decided, okay, I wanted some studio experience. I wanted to get back into a newsroom And I was fortunate that NBC Sports had a regional sports network and RSN right in the backyard. It was then called CSN Mid-Atlantic, just like there used to be CSN Bay Area, New England, all that sorts of stuff before the rebrand. So I got to formally intern with them fall of my junior year, and then that turned into a full-time job. So I was working full-time for them while completing my senior year of college at the same time, if you can't sense a theme here. That's
1: crazy. Yeah, I'm crazy in a good way,
2: but uh. I'm very thankful, you know, my senior year, I, my sorority sisters, my college friends, they all knew how I was. So my super great friends would always make the time to see me around my schedule. But yeah, I'd be working about 40 hours a week on top of a class load because I was just getting really great opportunities and I was just taught not to pass that stuff up. So <laughs> I worked there at the same time. Then 2018, my senior year, I graduate. Three weeks later, I cover the Capital Stanley Cup championship. So I covered that whole run at the same time. Then the next year I get to cover the Nationals World Series. It's pretty good. Um, sensitive a theme
1: here with winners.
2: Oh, just wait, and then I got the Bucks when I went to Green Bay. So I'm hoping some of this luck continues in Buffalo. I can't tell you which team it's going to happen to, but if the theme continues, I'm looking pretty lucky. <laughs> so yeah, DC was a really wonderful time. Um, I got a, lock, a lot of locker room experience at FedEx Field. That's where you know I really planted my roots as a reporter. I'm super thankful that I got to grow within NBC, and I would be writing blogs, I'd be doing social media, but I also really got to grow and learn behind some incredible mentors as reporters. And that's where I really started to gain my footing in locker rooms and stuff like that. So after a few years of that, I was ready for the next adventure. Yeah. And I I
1: got to tell you, and I mean this in the most complimentary way imaginable. I, I, I was laughing when you were talking about some of the stuff you're doing, because I'm thinking in my mind, I'm like, listen, Rachel, I've had dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of sports media people on here, TV side, radio print, whatever. (laughs) And usually it's like, okay, so you're in college, you either write for the school newspaper, or maybe you're in the, you know, the TV, you do some TV production stuff on campus at school. You're literally already doing stuff on NBC sports, covering (laughs) some pro teams, working 40 hours a week while you're going to school. It just, that blows me away. And again, that's in the most complimentary way uh
2: And I take it as a compliment. Yeah, I completely I say, a compliment. Credit to the American University paper, which was the Eagle. I think I wrote one article for them over four years because it was assigned to me in class. So one student newspaper article. <laughs> <laughs> I, I checked the box off.
1: Before we get to Buffalo, um, I, I wanted to spend a minute talking about Green Bay. Okay, so you're like a, yep. a hybrid journalist in Green Bay. I, let me read this description that I saw. It says, "Hybrid journalist that pitches, produces, shoots, edits, builds graphics, and reports breaking news live as a solo operation." That's a description. Here's my description of that. You were literally a one woman show. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Talk, yeah. Talk about talk about your experience there, and also by this time, so we're talking 2020, March 2020. So you go to that market, and literally that's when COVID hits. So, yep. my you know,
2: first day really? in Green Bay. My first day on the job was March 9th, 2020, and the world shut down that Friday. That's
1: that, that that's
2: crazy. Just
1: talk talk about your time in Green Bay, which again, obviously came, had to have come with challenges because of COVID. It was unprecedented. No matter yep. what market you're in, it's the same everywhere. Yep. Uh, I think the Bucks win the NBA title too while well, Yep. It, <laughs>
2: So I covered that, I covered the Ryder Cup, I covered a heck of a lot of Aaron Rodgers, ups and downs in that roller coaster, covered the Packers, Uh, the very brief Brewers postseason. we got. Yeah, I definitely covered a lot of highlights there. Um, I'm super grateful for my time in Green Bay, for Cheeseheads letting me into their homes every day and really supporting my type of reporting because I try to bring a different voice With what I do. And it's not man versus woman. It's just a different voice when it comes to these things. I just think I'd tell stories and do my reporting in my own way. And I think that that's the best part about being in a market saturated with reporters is everybody's gonna love who they love and gravitate to who they want to. And everybody has their own specialties. Like I think Catherine Fitzgerald is the best tweeter in this market, hands down. And you cannot tell a single thing otherwise. And that is her freaking specialty. And I'm honestly on the verge of turning tweet notifications on for her because she's that great. (laughs) So, everybody brings their own thing to the table and I'm grateful because my time in green Bay allowed me to really figure out my voice. Um, it was obviously a crazy two years because I did take the job hybrid. So I was covering news and sports. So what that meant was because of my experience in DC, I actually ended up becoming my station's lead election correspondent. So I covered the entire presidential election out of Wisconsin. Um, Wisconsin was a very significant swing state and it actually came down to green Bay. So, Was you know counting ballots in the wee hours of the morning, live reporting. I, every time a candidate, whether the incumbent or new candidates, came to the state, I was there covering the rallies and the events. Um, it was really hectic, it was one heck of a time. All meanwhile, we're wearing masks and figuring out COVID. 2020 in itself was maybe the more difficult of the two, I would say, just because you're juggling so much and you really feel a sense of duty when you're covering things like this, um, especially when. During an election, I just felt like there was a lot of tension with the general public and the media. Not everybody trusted media. And that's really hard when you're trying so hard to put out stories that are truthful. And I think the best part about local news is I'm covering what's in your backyard, not what CNN thinks is news or national networks I'm covering, what's actually happening in our towns. So it was definitely hard um, to get used to that. That was the first time I'd really experienced people being upset that I was covering something. But at the end of the day, it all made me into a better reporter, and I wouldn't have changed a second of it. The highlights, of course, include an NBA final championship, the Ryder Cup, which was an absolutely life-changing seven days. Um, Packers went from high to low. I mean, I was the first reporter at the airport on scene live when Aaron Rodgers' private plane landed the night before training camp, to all of the contract negotiations up and down with that, to... My last day of work there was Roger's New Deal. Hmm. It was just, yeah, it it was one heck of a crazy two years, but through it all, the cheesehead was consistent.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to read, uh, so you have a website and you have a quote on there and, and I want to read it and then I got to follow up with you. And it says, uh, yeah. and this is about you. It's, you say, I'm a people's person, which by the way, I've already in that in less than 20 <laughs> minutes of talking to you, but here's what you said. I'm a people's person. I firmly believe in cultivating relationships, not sources to tell the stories the right way, which sets my reporting apart. What I wanted to ask you was, you, you talk about cultivating relationships. How difficult was it cultivating working relationships? Yeah. Like when you're in Green Bay during COVID, uh, the mm-hmm. pandemic, especially when- you know, interactions, at least covering in sports anyway, they're limited to during this time, especially like Zoom calls and stuff like that. You're not you don't get that locker room access that that one on one or that group setting, um, you know, type of environment to work. And how difficult was it? Some of those challenges with COVID to cultivate these relationships like you speak of.
2: Definitely difficult, because in markets like that, just like in Buffalo, you know, you're competing or up against what I don't like the tones of those words, but you're alongside reporters who have been there for. 30, 40 years. Sure. I'm, I'm going against dads that have been reporting in this market for however long. And I'm just getting here for the first time. And right. All of those guys in Green Bay. Now that I've gone, I've never been in the locker room with them. It's so crazy to think about that. I that I reported on them for two years and I didn't even get to like right. experience those raw emotional moments with them. It, it was definitely tough and it, and it takes creativity. But ultimately, I think that's when you rely on who you are personally. And I came out, you know, genuinely into my relationships with a lot of the players and staff that I'm so thankful for. And I would say it definitely takes more work when you don't have that type of access. But at the end of the day, it's more genuine, I think, because of what we were all going through at the same time. You know, That was a shared experience that we were all in Green Bay at the same time dealing with COVID. At one point, Green Bay was the epicenter of the country around September. So knowing that we were all living through that experience You can't take it as a disadvantage to yourself. You have to just be able to do what you do and let your personality shine through. If that's your strength, it is mine.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
3: are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, I'm back
1: with Rachel. So I'll ask you this now, what ultimately led you to Buffalo? Talk about the process how this opportunity came about if it was uh an easy decision if it was a difficult decision just talk about how buffalo came into play. here.
2: who was it an easy decision it was absolutely an easy decision <laughs> um my so as your listeners may know from this series you know especially in television more so than in writing um these jobs are contracted based on terms and my contract was up in green bay my station had gone through some different changes and stuff as businesses all evolve over the years. Local news, newspapers, everything is an evolving business, especially these days with the World Wide Web. So I was looking for a new opportunity. I was excited. Uh, for me personally, I didn't think I was going to stay in Green Bay long. I was open to staying if the right opportunity was there. Um, but I was looking to move into a strictly sports reporting role. I felt like I had done my duty, you know, reporting on the presidential election in Wisconsin gave my absolute all to that. And at this point I was ready to get back to my roots in sports. So I was really just focused on only sports reporting opportunities and just searching on the great internet. One day I saw this listing. Um, I think I'd seen it and I thought, hmm, that's interesting. And I added it to my list. And I'm someone that, as you can probably assume, has my resume readily available. (laughs) So. I had that ready to go. And within an hour, a friend had also sent me this listing and said, I really think you should look at this. You know, I know you might not be wanting to stay in the snow, but Spectrum, my station seems like they're really on top of the way they do storytelling. And they are, I will say, you know, Spectrum, my station has a bit of a different model when it comes to storytelling and I'm obsessed with it. And I, I can't believe I sound like a company girl when I say that, but it, it's true. I really enjoy sure. it. Um, and that's why I'm very happy I've been hired here. So, I applied. The interview process was wonderful. My current boss interviewed me the whole time. Uh, connected with John in the interview process, John Scott, who's a great guy, and I'm so thankful to sure be is. you know guided into the market with him. He's really awesome. So, it it was really like love at first sight. Everything clicked mutually, and probably within a month or two, I was hired.
1: And all right, so you get hired early April. I remember yeah. your tweet. I, in fact, I remember you had a tweet announcing <laughs> you had a tweet announcing that you're coming yeah. to Buffalo. Um, yeah. They had pictured your cat going through the little Bills Mafia table. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> so you get hired, you you start, and like literally, how difficult is it to kind of if you're covering a sports team, and obviously you're covering the Sabres right away? How difficult is it to like quite literally? get thrown into the fire, you know, like your coffee is still warm and and you're already covering the Sabres. And and it's also near the end of the season. I had Elena on just a couple weeks ago from ESPN and she got hired like on a Tuesday. And then the Bill's season opener was literally that Sunday, kind of the same deal with you. You're going, you're getting thrown right into it.
2: Hers is worse for me, honestly, because the chaos of getting somewhere and starting week one, and you've got this whole season ahead of you and the season that she started alone, like That's incredible. She has not, you know, been able to slow down since then. So I'm glad that we've reached the off season there. But for me, I'm fortunate that hockey and the NFL, NHL and NFL were really my favorite sports that I grew up Mm -hmm. on. So hockey is natural to me. So from a sport perspective, it wasn't like I was diving into anything new. If I was in a soccer market, maybe that would be a little more rattling for me to dive into midseason. But really, this felt like putting back on an old shoe. But this was my first time returning to the NHL that I'm really a full-fledged reporter, beat reporter on camera, stuff like that. So really what was more hard is, I'm not someone that's afraid to make my presence known or ask for something or bump elbows, but I'm getting there mid-season and sometimes I have to ask someone, oh, who do I go to for this? Or I'm sure meeting PR staff, stuff like that. That was maybe the more difficult because I'm interrupting people as they're in the middle of all their work, almost done with the season, ready to kick the cannon. And instead, I'm just getting in and kind of shaking things up. So the coverage wasn't hard, but just making sure I was doing things the right way. I didn't want to come in and be messy with it. I wanted to make sure I was coming in and still doing things very intentionally or as correctly as I could based on how things run here. Every team in every city run things very differently. Packers run things one way. The Bills run things another way. Sabres do it differently. Literally every team kind of has their own personal identity internally, if you will. So I just had to spend the time to figure out, you know, what's the Sabres identity like and try and really rapidly understand and mesh with that in order to have productive work over the last month of games. And week two, I was in Toronto with them.
1: Right. And I'll tell you, one of, one of the several things that I'm excited about having you in Buffalo for and being new to this market is you're covering a team like the Sabres. And obviously they got a young, lot of young players. They're showing promise. And fans have reason to be excited about the future. However, if you were here five years ago, six years ago, we'd be singing the same song. You have a young Jack Eichel and a young Sam Reinhardt. This has been going on for 10 years. And I yeah. feel like a lot of the the veteran reporters, and for very good reason, are like, it's the same song and dance until we yeah. see otherwise. You know, We've been duped before. The fans have been duped before. The fans have been very better. Now they've started to come around because I think this team, they're starting to believe in them. But I think you bring a fresh perspective to this team because you haven't been here in a way that's advantageous. I think for you, that you didn't have to go through all the the crap with Eichel and Reinhardt and, you know, the team bottoming out and, you know, basically tanking to get these guys and then to see how things played out. So you kind of come in with a nice, fresh perspective. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. And it's not like I'm not aware of that history, of course. Sure. I'm. A hockey you know follower enough that oh gosh again, you're like you're okay
1: with the light the light actually looks okay
2: okay we're good um i'm a hockey follower enough that obviously i understand what's happened to this market i know the fans have been upset and dragged through the ups and downs of this franchise but i'm not going to have that tone to my reporting like it's exhausted me as a professional through it exactly
1: it seems like and again you're new to, to this market, but it, it seems like immediately you're fitting in quite well with, the uh, you know, the Buffalo sports media community, obviously it's competitive, just like other markets, but it's yeah. a pretty tight knit community from, again, I've had so many people on here and they all say the same thing, kind of, you know, competitive, but, but we're, we're good. We're tight. You know, talk, talk about the, your first impressions of that a little bit, just getting a chance to just start to meet some of these people and work alongside them.
2: It's awesome. Um, I I can say this is definitely a friendly beat. Um, not every beat is like that. So I hope fans enjoy, you know, knowing that, that this beat is just really awesome and amiable, if you will. Um, people are very open and nice here, especially the people who have been here a while, you know, people embrace bringing in another reporter. I haven't had anybody give me the cold shoulder yet, if you will, but also like (laughs) everybody takes competitiveness differently. You know, that's not something that I would ever take personally, I'm someone that am I competitive? Absolutely, because I strive to do my best self. But I think, again, like I have said, there's a way that everybody can make it and everybody tells their own stories. So for me, um, it's been great. Like I've already mentioned, you know, Kay Fitz and Elena, they're awesome girls. I, I love hanging out with them and I love everything that they've kind of helped me learn from their view and John's view. I think I'm going to have a good picture of the Bills beat. By the time that season comes around, I'll be shooting Bill's games for us, so I'll be traveling with John on the road, doing all that fun stuff. Uh, my plan is to get a pink snowsuit, so hopefully people can wave to me. But <laughs> I, I'll have to update the masses on what I finally purchase. Uh,
1: it will be, I I think, and again, like we just talked about, you you get thrown in a fire with the, on the hockey side. It's not about how well you know the sport. Obviously, you know the sport very well, and a lot mm-hmm. of the players because you follow hockey. But like you spoke of getting to know the PR people and how things work. Now you're going to have an off season going in the bills camp where you're going to get an opportunity to actually learn these things instead of Mm -hmm. just being thrown in the fire. That's going to be cool. And I'll tell you another thing too, that I really like about this market for being a mid-major market. It's not a major market, but it's a mid-major market. (laughs) I think women representation in the sports media is pretty damn good here. You got Ashley over at channel two and Julianne yourself. Uh, You got (laughs) Catherine, like we talked about Elena. You got Heather Prusak at channel four, Mary Margaret. They're, women are well represented, I I think anyway, in this market. I'm sure that means something to you as well.
2: Absolutely. It really does. It's inspiring considering, um, you know, that picture has changed a lot throughout my life when I was young and, and, you know, high school working on these productions. I'd be in, in national productions and there'd maybe on a good day be five adult women working on the set. And those were not the on-camera women. Those were women in production in the trucks and right. really doing the dirty work and being surrounded by, you know, hundreds of men. And literally on a good day, there were like five women there. Um, that the, And that's just the reality I knew. I was just always going to accept that. My dad always taught me not to let that limit me. That's just the reality. And if you understand that, carve your own path. So then when I get to D.C., um, once I was in the FedEx locker room, I was one of two women regularly in that locker room. And I was a college student, like not even a full time reporter. Right. It was me and Sherry Burris, who's now at CBS. And at the time she was with NBC4. So I, I really learned what to know about being a woman in the locker room from her. And then I get to Green Bay and it was really refreshing because every local affiliate had a woman in sports. I was the NBC and then the ABC, CBS and Fox all had women and I felt like I was just the luckiest girl in the world to be able to experience that and then to come here and see such a similar picture it's just inspiring that this is the norm that that way you know anyone men or women younger than me won't see the same picture I did you know it's going to be sure. much more normalized
1: yeah I agree 100% what's your take when it comes to social media I always ask my guests this too because <laughs> to me it's a really polarizing topic because on one hand it obviously serves a, a bunch of good purposes for you. It helps mm-hmm. you share your content, helps you get it out to yep. the world, like literally instantly. Um, mm-hmm. In some cases you build friendships and re- mm-hmm. working relationships, social relationships yep. off of Twitter. So there's a lot of good to it, but and oh, yeah. obviously Facebook too and stuff like that. But there's also an ugly side to social media as well. Mm-hmm. You get your trolls and you got yep. your mean people They and they get to a point where it doesn't, it's not even that they don't agree with what you're saying. It's just, they want to get a reaction. So you know they act like jerks and they say stupid shit just to mm-hmm. try to get you riled up. Now in your case, you said you covered politics too, so I God I can't even imagine that's got to be ten times yeah. worse than sports. Yeah. But talk a little mm-hmm. bit about social media, like what's your what's your take on social media—the good, the bad, the ugly.
2: I personally, overall, if we're if we're weighing the two sides of the scale, I generally love social media. Uh, I'm I'm definitely an internet social media person. I enjoy it, you know my social media is clean and fine, but like, I definitely enjoy using it. I am someone I was born in 96. So I'm the last year of being a millennial, but I'm not Gen Z. I think I would say my younger sister is Gen Z. So it's kind of that real internet cusp of I grew up as these things were happening. I got a Facebook in middle school when it was meant for college kids. You know, I got an, an Instagram in high school, Twitter in high school. So there are so many older people who I feel like only got Twitter to be professional, but I remember using Twitter before it was professional. So I feel like I'm a good age that's kind of grown up with these apps and websites to really be able to understand and serve their purpose better. Obviously, there are bad apples everywhere. Yeah, political reporting was definitely where the dumpster fire comes out. But honestly, the Rogers vaccine drama, I think, for me personally, brought worse trolls um, in my daily reporting. Yeah, because it, it was just that topic alone pisses off a lot of people on both sides of whatever debate you want to talk about. So at the end of the day, I think the people who spend their time on a screen without their name or photo to drag people down, they're only putting out their reflection of themselves. And I really live by that. When you're insulting people and trolling and whatever you want to say, all these dramatized insults that doesn't say anything about me or any reporter or anyone who they're taking down. If you're spending your time, because I just can't fathom like sitting here on my little angry screen, like twi- I-, I can't fathom sending someone a message like that. It's just never clicked with me. and uh, Maybe that's just cause I'm not a mean person, but I-, I can be mad at people, but I would never send something like that. So to me, there are bad people that use social media for bad things, but I think generally my experience with social media i mean i could never let it go even if i was taken from this industry and couldn't do anything else with it you could never catch me off social media i just think it's it's too important it's news it's socializing it's everything to me
1: the good outweighs the bad
2: yeah and i definitely I, it's so funny i very much remember early in middle school i don't know if anybody on here will remember what tumblr is i can't believe i'm saying this out loud Um, (laughs) I remember making friends on Tumblr that I would meet in person in middle school, like at the mall or this or that. I was someone who was never afraid. And obviously my parents were afraid of me making friends on the internet in middle school, but you know, my parents would come, whatever, everything was safe and fine. But at the end of the day, I think the internet for me has always been a tool for genuine socializing and networking, um, in that sense. And, and it's continued through this day. I get to Buffalo and I've, friends on Twitter that I've followed for years. And now that I move here, oh my God, we can go out and get dinner. Oh my God, we can do this. We can meet up when I come to this city for this game. So for me, especially for women in sports, I, I think it's the greatest networking tool.
1: You've Now you've only been here for a little less than two months. And again, yeah. you come here <laughs> and a couple of days later, you're already on the road covering the Buffalo Sabres. So your yeah. leisure time has been minimal at this yeah. point. I'm positive mm-hmm. of that. But from what little you could gather, what are you, like, your initial thoughts of Buffalo and like what have you enjoyed the most? Now, the lucky part for you is that you came in April and not January and February because mm-hmm. this was one of, the, as an almost lifelong Buffalonian, I spent five years in Florida recently and came back. Mm-hmm. But aside from that, I've been here my whole life. This is one of the worst winters I could ever remember. So you got to skip that part. Although, again, being in Boston and Green Bay and Washington, you're used to it being pretty cold anyway. It's so, not, yeah. it's not like you were coming from Florida real. or California. Well, what are no, your initial I, impressions of Buffalo?
2: Um, I it did move, it did snow the first weekend I moved here, which did make it difficult. It was that like last weekend in March, yeah, that was slightly annoying because you know, I have a box truck and a trailer, mm-hmm. and I'm towing my car, and there's eight inches of snow on the ground in Hamburg, and we're just it, that was a mess. Otherwise, I have to say, I, I fully understand that keep Buffalo a secret mural because this place has been such a hidden gem, it surprised me. So much. I really, in my mind, equated it with what I had seen. I know Buffalo is not the Midwest, but I'd equated it to that, you know, very much not the East Coast, very blue-collar city. Um, the amount of diversity and arts and cultures here has blown me away in the absolute best way. I, I can't shut up about it to my <laughs> friends and family because it's just so amazing. I- I'm overjoyed personally that professionally life has led me here right now i did get to do a little exploring this weekend because it was my birthday so i had a friend come to town oh happy birthday thank you yes um so we went actually we crossed the border we went to canada to explore some wineries and then i went to some local restaurants throughout the weekend the food scene here is incredible i'm definitely a foodie and if you ever want to tell me anything in the world please let it be local food restaurants i'm obsessed i went to mother's for dinner and hearty endorsement for anybody. If you haven't been there, please do. Like that's, if I have to stamp my name on something, that's it. Um, <laughs> but please send me all sorts of food, highbrow, lowbrow, anything. I love exploring a city through food and culture that way. So that's definitely fun, but it's it definitely surprised me. I have a rooftop, so I've been to enjoy sun, you know, on the nice days we've had, but even days like today, you know, it's a little chillier, but it's it's spring.
1: Sure. What area, I don't want to give stalkers too much information out here, but what area have you settled in on where you're living?
2: Yeah, I'm in Elmwood Village, and yeah. I'm really happy about it. Um, I Very common
1: for you media folk.
2: <laughs> I guess so. Uh, you know, Everybody, when I would tell people, yeah, like this is where I live, and I feel comfortable saying this, everybody would be like, oh my God, you're near Thin Man Brewery. And I was like, okay, we get it. There's a good brewery. Okay. But that that seems to be a great watering hole. Uh, obviously, I didn't fly out here before I had gotten here. And that's pretty much due to COVID. And that was my same with Green Bay as well. A lot of people in this market before they've gone somewhere, they've been able to fly out for an interview and spend an hour to at least exploring the city. I came to Green Bay and I came here completely blind, having never been to either place before. So there was a lot of nights up late, just Googling maps, looking at pictures, figuring out and I'm super happy where I've ended up. It's just a really vibrant neighborhood that feels safe. I can go on walks with my AirPods in, but there's so much, sorry, food and culture and just great scenery. And like it's spring, the gardens look absolutely beautiful. It's such a lush city. I feel like you don't see that a lot, but Buffalo really is a city with a lot of greenery.
1: I'm uh, I'm very familiar with Elmwood Village. I grew up on the West side of Buffalo, which is pretty much connected okay just a little bit yeah. north of, of the Elmwood Village. So obviously I'm yeah. I'm a big fan. And another yeah. cool thing for you too is now as you're getting accustomed to living here slowly, but surely, and the Sabres are done and the Bills haven't started yet, you'll get a little more downtime. And I will say yeah. this about Buffalo. It is an amazing place, especially in the summer months. The difference, like I spent five years in Florida and yeah, the weather's great, but you know what? Nothing changes. It's just another yeah. day. It's another season in Buffalo. Right. There's so much to do in the summertime with the Allentown Art Festival and just lawn fates and festivals. Mm -hmm. Every town has its own community festival. So there won't be any shortage of things that you'll be able to do. And you talk about being a foodie. I'm a foodie, too. (laughs) Especially when, I mean, you're in the right place for food. Um, Do you get a lot of, and again, I'm not going to ask you because you haven't been here long enough to really try a lot of places. But have you gotten a lot of, you need to go, especially wings, you know, because Buffalo's Um, very well known for wings. but are you starting to get some of those? Have you been here? Have you been there? You got to go there. You got to go there. Starting to get those kind of requests.
2: Oh, plenty. I mean, that's even how I got to know people here at first. I would just say, I get it. Wings are the common thread here, but I have a hot take coming for you after Uh this, you know, wings are the common thread here. So I would ask people, especially when I'd first be meeting them, I'm like, all right, give me a wing place. I'm making a list, you know, tell me what I should really be doing. Um, I still haven't, I've had a couple wings, I haven't dived in yet because I think what I need to do, my sister's coming in a few weeks and she loves a good challenge. I think what we need to do is order wings from like every iconic spot and rank them against each other. I think I just need like a -a wing-a-thon at my kitchen table. And I think that's (laughs) the way to really experience it. So I I think that'll be a fun thing to do. But what I will say is this, I get it, wings are a big deal. Wings change the fabric of our sports eating culture as we know it. And they're beautiful, wonderful, and deserve their place. But what I don't understand is why wings get all the hype when the beautiful godly buffalo creation of pizza logs exists (laughs) because it's
1: a fair point
2: my, my very first day i moved here you know we're hauling all my stuff up i have an elevator in my building but you have to use stairs to get there so it's not very ada compliant but we get all my stuff inside and we're exhausted because i have a lot of stuff And we just went to uh, 40 Thieves for lunch because it was near my apartment and it's great and it was open for lunch. And eventually I'm just like, I don't know what I want to eat. I don't know what half this stuff is. Pizza logs, that sounds good. I'm thinking it's mozzarella sticks or something. And I get this beautiful plate of what looks like egg rolls in front of me. And I take a bite and I'm suddenly revived by a spirit unknown to mankind. (laughs) And I just cannot believe that buffalo is known for wings and that nobody knows about pizza logs outside of buffalo when this should be blown up on the map and known that like hey this is another amazing buffalo food invention i just cannot fathom that this hasn't reached national that's a great take yeah
1: I, like it's, it's I
2: really feel to the point where this is my first day back at work since my birthday because i took a long weekend to celebrate it and my best work friend brought me in my very own two frozen boxes of pizza logs for my birthday. <laughs> and I just, I really, truly feel passionate about this. I'm ready to run on this platform.
1: Uh, let, one other thing, going back to Wings, when your sister comes and you want to go to some places, if I'm known, and again, we really don't know each other. You haven't been here long. I'm probably <laughs> known for Wings more okay. than anything else. Even this podcast, I had a list okay, of I a 86 list. different places. I went and I reviewed and I power ranked 86 different places oh in God Western my. New York. I have a very, well, I don't want to say it's popular. It's very well-known List. No, some no, people I love it, it, some people hate it, but I'll turn you on to some spots and then I look okay, forward to, to getting your to. take on them. Last I question. Yeah, we will. Last question. And then I want to finish up with our uh, fun fact finale. This yeah. is an age old question. that I love to ask sports media people on when when you guys are on, because I think it'd be helpful. There might be somebody in high school or college right now who's listening or watching. And this might be something that they want to grow up and they want to do when they get a little bit older. So let me ask you that age old question. like, What advice out there would you give somebody who might be interested in following like in your footsteps for an example?
2: I I always care about this question a lot because I, I really do think of my younger self who obviously was just like clawing their way in. And I think you can do it if you set your mind to it. Um, but this is a very hard industry that you will succeed if you love it. You have to be passionate about it. It's kind of like being a doctor where I feel like You know it takes a lot out of your life you know we don't i don't have a normal 9 to 5 monday through friday i can't make all my friends weddings everybody who schedules a wedding from september through february i'm not going to (laughs) um my sleep schedule is all over the place my workout schedule is all over the place you know you just you give up a lot of your life in order to make sure you can do your job in this industry and for me i wouldn't change it for a second and i breathe every day knowing i do this job and it's my absolute purpose but for some people that might not be it and it's hard to just devote that much time of your life to doing something when you're missing out on other things it's just not for everybody Mm -hmm. so if you know you want to do this i think getting experience young is really important and learning in the classroom and taking journalism classes is definitely the foundation for it but also you have to take that out into the real world you have to get internships reach out to your favorite people over twitter especially now that we live in the zoom world ask someone for a zoom cup of coffee to pick their brain to network with them and actually ask questions you know don't just sit in water cooler talk ask them what would they tell themselves 10 years ago i just think that if people really took advantages of the tools that we have like social media they would be setting themselves up for success and i just want to see people succeed
1: that i'll tell you what that is a great point in today's world with social media. You, it, mm-hmm. Most people, not all, but a lot of even successful people are very accessible if you just ask. Yeah, if you, if you're polite and you approach it the yeah. right way and you ask somebody for advice or even in some cases some reference, some help, they're more than yeah. willing to to give it to you. I've used social media when I first started this podcast four years ago. I knew the local beat guys. Like I, I already had relationships with like Sal Capaccio and and Tim <laughs> Graham and Tyler Dunn. So I had those guys on the podcast right away. People always ask, I had Adam Schefter on the show four years ago. Nice. And obviously that was like my big break, my big get. And people are always like, well, how'd you get him mm-hmm. on the show? And you want to know how? I asked him. I reached out. Exactly. I asked him and somehow he said yes. And that led to Ross yep. Tucker and a bunch of other people. It's just, yeah, Absolutely. go out and ask people and, and seek advice and stuff like that. And, yep. uh, and more times than not, you'll get it. That, that's a great point. I like that. All exactly. Right. You
2: will never know until you ask exactly. at the end of the day. Right, right,
1: right. All right, let's end with our traditional fun fact finale. I'm going to ask you some okay. random questions. Not a lot of, these aren't like deep thought questions, whatever, you know, pops in your mind that, that that'll be your answer. You good to go? Yep. All right, now this one, I first one I think is going to be hard because of where you live and there's just so many goddamn great athletes, but favorite all-time
2: athlete. Yeah, it it is tough. Um, yeah, it is really tough. <laughs> because, and I, and I I get asked this question a lot, and sometimes it just depends on the day, to be frank. Um, because it depends on... on. And I'm glad you asked favorite and not greatest, because there are so many different sure. standards to that. And your favorite doesn't have to be the greatest of game. It's, it's the memories um, that they brought. I think I can split into two ga- categories. I could do a hometown one, and I think for Boston... I think I'll go with David Ortiz.
1: Okay. I like David um, I think, Ortiz.
2: Yeah. You know, like I, I remember 2004, um, it, it it was huge. Um, it's one of my, you know, earlier sports memories, but, and again, he's, I wouldn't say he's the greatest designated hitter of all time by any means, but, I would say he he did a lot for the city of Boston, you know, the post marathon moment. He, he was really a part of that city. Um, I also know I'd be burned at the stake if I said Tom Brady. So we're just like, not going to offer that up for, you know, the audience, (laughs) but I think if I had to do a non hometown one, I think I'm an avid tennis follower and Serena Williams definitely is a goat in that world. And I, have very passionately followed her career. So she's definitely a favorite of mine as well.
1: Let me add, as a Yankees fan, I always respected David Ortiz. I have a very healthy respect. And they're the guys that you love to hate when they're playing, but when they're done, yeah. you really have a, when you have retrospective, you really respect him. I like David Ortiz a lot. I think he was great for the game of baseball. A lot of fun. Yep. Favorite exactly. city that you visited?
2: Um, Maybe recency bias, but Toronto really blew me away. I'm so excited to get back when my sister visits in a few weeks. Um. I was so shocked. I'd never been there before and I very quickly fell in love. So for me, I, I'm definitely on a Canadian high right now and extremely interested in exploring Toronto more.
1: Who is your first celebrity crush that you can remember for sure?
2: Um, I don't know if I'm like anti aging myself with this Aaron Carter. He was like <laughs> a pop star. Um, I, I was like completely infatuated with him. I was That's never in right? Um, he wasn't, but he was like the generation. He was like right behind okay, it. I
1: know what you're talking about now. But like
2: you. same same era, but right. Like I wasn't a band kid. I just loved Aaron Carter. He had the song. That's how I beat Shaq. Like I, Aaron's party, come and get it. He dated Hillary Duff for a period of time. Like he was it. That was, that was my absolute celebrity crush. Literally second grade. <laughs> All
1: right. um, what is your go-to snack? Go-to snack
2: go-to snack what are my options am i at a gas station or am i like looking at my fridge
1: you're uh let not not a gas station let uh you're home it's fridge or pantry whatever or you want to order something late at night or you'll run out to a gas station if you like it enough i guess but uh like something it's late at night like what something that you really crave
2: something you love to have a go-to snack Mm -hmm. Mm um (laughs) my boyfriend put me onto this popcorn with cinnamon on it really it really ch- blew my mind blew my mind and I'm normally like a savory person I really don't like sweet things I'm more of a, a check's mix of a this or that but that's definitely become my like homemade snack popcorn with cinnamon
1: okay <laughs> that's different that's I've never heard that before I like I'm gonna have I to try that I promise it'll
2: surprise you I would never tell you to waste a whole bag of popcorn if it wasn't good it's good
1: all right I gotta try that I've never had it before <laughs> what movie this is probably tough it's always hard to come up with one but what movie have you rewatched probably more than any other
2: Okay, no, this is easy because for starters, I'm not a good movie person. I just rarely sit down and watch two plus hours of something at a time. Um, I am busy. So I don't usually do that, but there's only one movie that I've purposely watched more than once in my lifetime. Actually, there's two. Uh as a kid, it was Apollo 13. Okay. Tom Hanks, great movie, Kevin Bacon, everything. But as an adult, it's The Town.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Good one.
2: Great movie. Yeah, great movie uh really great depictions of Boston in it obviously uh love Ben Affleck so yeah
1: call yourself out here what's your worst habit
2: um i'm not really good at setting a bedtime <laughs> no. i'm not really good at that like they say you should like put your phone down and like actually have a bedtime routine uh no i do not put my phone down and i like i'm someone that the second i wake up the first thing i do is check my phone
1: same same. Yeah,
2: it's it's definitely bad for my cornea and my sanity. But I I can't I, that I the first thing I do I look at my push notifications. I open Twitter. It is so bad.
1: Same. I do the literally the exact same thing. I lay <laughs> in bed and I'm like, all right, I gotta put my phone down. And then 25 yeah. minutes later, I'm still scrolling through Twitter or, right. or checking TikTok. Snapchat or or yeah. whatever. And yeah, same thing when I wake up in the morning too. Literally, the first thing before I even. Yeah. My eyes are only half open and I go to Twitter because Twitter I exactly. always is my go-to because there's always instant yep. news on there. So yep. yeah, bad habit. Me too. All right. Name a TV game show that if you were on it, it could be something current. It could be something from the past where you feel like if you were on this show, you would do well.
2: Definitely Family Feud. Now, I can't say my family would do well, but that style of asking questions and especially when they go into like their equivalent of the overtime where they list those categories and you have to pick the answers. That is my absolute thing. I'm very good at like picking what a majority of people would say. Okay.
1: Okay. Yeah. Uh, last couple here. So instead of doing this right now via streamyard to put out on YouTube and as well as the audio side, let's just say we're at one of the bars up in Elmwood Village, Merlin, something like that, and <laughs> we're having a drink. And I'm like, there's karaoke going on, and I'm like, Rachel, you know what? I'm convincing you get up there, sing something, and even if you're the worst singer on the face of the earth, like me. At least in in this scenario, in your own mind, at least you're like, all right, man, I, I can sing a little bit here. Yeah. What is a song that you would sing, whether it's something fast, something slow, and after whatever it may be that you think the crowd would enjoy?
2: Uh, "Born to Run" by Bruce Springsteen.
1: Really good song. Yeah,
2: I okay. Here's here's a good I I whatever word you want to put there. I love Bruce Springsteen. He's my absolute favorite.
1: That's funny. I literally just this past weekend, literally just this past weekend, bought his born in the USA album, the old album. I got a oh, yeah. I got a record player for Christmas. My daughter got me a record player. And uh so I buy a couple albums here, a couple of albums there. I came across that. One. I paid to pay like ten bucks for it. It's like the value of the right, century. With the flag to me. In the back. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Good good choice.
2: I love Bruce. Um, I was technically, even though I was raised outside Boston, I was technically born in New Jersey, and that's like the one thing I carry from my technically born in New Jersey is I die for Bruce Springsteen.
1: It's a good thing to carry. It is.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I'm happy about it. (laughs) All
1: right. This one, I I feel like for you, this is going to be hard for some people. This might be easy for you. I think this might be hard. Maybe I'm wrong because we knew at a young age, you knew you were locked into what you wanted to do already, but let's just say you had never gotten involved in this industry at all, or Mm -hmm. you gave it your shot. You went to American university. And you just couldn't do it, man. It wasn't working out for you either. You weren't good enough, or whatever circumstances against you, and, you, and it didn't work. So, if yep. you weren't in this line of work, what do you think you would be doing right now?
2: Um, there was a point in my life. I don't think I've ever admitted this out loud that I envisioned myself as the first like astronaut reporter in space.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: So, uh, maybe maybe an astronaut correspondent of sorts. Okay. There's that. Um, or a veterinarian. Um, I think as I grew up very passionate for animals and still am involved with a lot of animal rescue causes. And I, I definitely could have seen myself going to vet school or something.
1: Okay, I I feel like you've already given this one away, and I agree with you for the record. But I'll ask it: Who's your favorite Twitter follow?
2: K Fitz, baby. It's <laughs> definitely the goat of Buffalo Twitter. Um, let's see what else. Um, if you don't follow Dick Butkus, he's also really funny. Yeah. Um, he's just kind of his own little senior citizen troll. I think he's hysterical. Uh, Rex Chapman, obviously who doesn't have that in their list. Um, but again, yeah, for me, like Twitter is where I really get the congregation of all my women in sports, whether that's women in other NHL cities, whether on NFL beats women on any beat. Um, I I really make sure that that's where like, I'm getting my news from and it's awesome. I just I love seeing women dominate Twitter.
1: Two more questions here. Give everybody a fun fact about yourself that maybe you know people listening hmm. or watching don't know.
2: Uh I'm a lefty. That seems to surprise a lot of people. Yeah but I am a lefty. Yeah I play tennis lefty uh and so far I golf lefty. Uh I did get lefty club so I hope that sticks. But <laughs> um I use a mouse righty and I can I camera carry my camera righty. Um, but everything else I do left-handed.
1: Cool. All right. Last question. I always ask this question. You could have three famous people, mm-hmm. any era, dead or alive, and they're going to hit up your place at Elmwood Village tonight. And you're going to make a dinner, maybe have a couple drinks, whatever, shoot the breeze, laugh, serious talks, whatever kind of vibe you yeah. want to have for this yeah. dinner. You could have three people, any era, dead or alive, famous people who you got.
2: I think I'm going to come in hot and not do sports people for this. Okay. Um, Oprah Winfrey, because she is one of the best interviewers ever. Sure. Princess Diana, because I'm also obsessed with her on a Bruce Springsteen level. My cat is named after her. Um, I I think she's fascinating and obviously died too soon, but she's amazing Uh, and also an amazing person and probably JFK. Okay. Yeah. I like it. Oh like yeah, non-sports stuff too. Party. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Everyone, give Rachel a follow on Twitter at Rachel Hotmeyer. This was fun. I, I I love when I have someone on who I don't know either. Cause I got to know a lot more about you just as people listening and uh, watching were too, but you were fantastic. You're doing a great job. You're doing a great job here in Buffalo so far. Keep it up. And I look forward to uh, you getting to know the city a little bit more, especially over the summer months. And maybe we'll get together sometime uh, in person. I'll get you and John, we'll have a spectrum show and I'll get you the guys wing. together and we'll do, we'll do it over wings somewhere.
2: Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> I would love it. I feel like I checked off my rite of passage.